Hi, I'm Sophie and I love going on road trips in the Tesla. Welcome to the New Zealand All That's Tesla podcast. Thank you, Sophie. Hello, I'm Martin and welcome to the New Zealand All That's Tesla podcast. In this episode, we talk with Brad Henderson, who is a Model 3 owner and a head of engineering at Mitten Electronet in Christchurch. All right, so another fine Christchurch interview. I'm Martin Kane, and I'm here with Brad Henderson, who put his name on the list and said, "Yeah, I'll have a you know, few things to chat about." So, Brad, you've been a Tesla owner for a little while. What what do you own? I've got a 2019 Model Three Standard Range Plus. So, wasn't quite on the first. Uh, list of orders, but I, I ordered in I think September 2019. Uh, I did have an original reservation from when they first opened them in New Zealand, the $1,500 that yeah they popped down. I was quick to jump on that, but then I, at the time, I was like, I'm never going to spend $80,000 on a car. <laughs> but then, of course, a couple of years went by in, in the time frame, and I was getting more excited about this car over, over the time, and finally had a, a conversation with my wife at. Um, sort of around August time, August that year, and I was like, what, what do you think? Can we can we, can we we buy a, a Tesla? And she's like, I, I'm, I'm open to the idea, but we're a two-car family at the moment. The, the trade-off is we're going to have to go to a one-car family. And I was like, oh, one-car family, all right. Um, and so, but, I, but I was like, well, I want, I want this Tesla. So <laughs> the rest is history. So, yeah, we're, we're now a one-car family. It's a single car. Um, so again, it's a good experiment trying to put paid to the myth that you, you can't have a family and, and have an electric vehicle as your main vehicle and because how would you do road trips, mm. right? It's not, it's not possible, so, so uh, people have been told. But um, we've, uh, we've loved it. Um, it's been, I'll describe it as my, my dream vehicle uh, when, I, when I got it and I still, still get a little bit of micro joy every time I, I get in it, you know, whether it's after work or taking the family on a trip and... Yeah, just just love it, and I've just uh, put it. It's on the market actually. And I've put it on Trade Me, uh, changing over to the Model Y, which I think is slightly more suited to the to the family and the dog, and getting them in. But um, you know, we've managed pretty well with with the three, so I, I will miss that little bit of extra acceleration. I think from the from the three when I when I get the Y. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I remember putting a we um, survey out on the Tesla three group. You know, how many of you are looking to move from you know three to y it's quite a small percentage but yeah, i it guess surprised me. it's um uh, i guess when there are thousands of model threes out then there are going to be hundreds now yeah, on, even if on it's 10 percent you know it's still it's still 300 people if there's like three thousand, right so yeah, yeah so it's a lot and they're, they're selling sort of at a reasonable price too from what I gather is that right? You know, I just got off the phone with someone trying to haggle with me literally 15 minutes ago saying oh, can you close the auction early I'll, I'll, I'll give you X, X dollars for it mm. so I was like oh, I, I think I'll just let the auction run <laughs> we'll see what happens but uh, I, might, I might have been foolish but uh, I'll, I'll know in a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. yeah so if I, I generally don't go with the, the haggling stuff if you want to do it legitimately then you, you know, let the auction run like you say, yeah, yeah, he was trying to put a bit of pressure on me, and then I, that was sort of a red flag for me. So, mm. yeah, usually yeah. don't they usually don't come through in the end. Mm. So, tell us a little bit about you, what you do. Um, you've obviously, got a you know a family that now has one car. Um, you know, what's what's the story? What's your background? 
So I'm an electrical engineer. Uh, I, I grew up in Christchurch. Um, was born in Ashburton actually, but uh, my family moved up when I was very young and too, so I have no memories of, of living in Ashburton. Uh, grew up here, went to school here, uh, went to university here, uh, University of Canterbury. Uh, graduated and then headed up to Wellington. Uh, got a job with Transpower actually on, on their graduate program and, and did that for a couple of years and got a sort of opportunity I couldn't refuse for an overseas adventure, uh, starting off in Germany with a, with a software um, type company, which is also involved in the power industry. And took that, and then that was actually based, it was kind of weird. I was based in Melbourne, but the job started me off in, as a sort of overseas placement in southern Germany. So I had three months the parent, at the parent headquarters company to, to get to know them and the way they do things, and, and then moved back to, to Melbourne with my wife at the time. We didn't have children. And spent eight years in Melbourne uh, doing that thing, and then we decided to come back here, back, back home, to, to start a family and, and raise a family. And... I, uh, I joined Mitten uh, in 2015 when my, my son was only six months old and yeah haven't haven't really looked back here uh, since then really I've been uh, enjoying working here it's a great company um, really good family feel um, we end up we do we like to think of ourselves as the only place or only sort of house design house in New Zealand that can can do everything when it comes to electricity so we can do uh, low volt, sort of low voltage stuff, some the 400 volt stuff in your house, um, right through to the heavy power pylons and power lines and substations that um, that you see crisscrossing the country that Transpower own. We do design for for Transpower and and other big utilities and generators and around the country as well. So um, great job, great variety, great people to work with, um, and yeah, and and I'm recently moved into a, the head of engineering role here, which has me overseeing the uh, the whole the whole engineering team yeah so um really enjoyable and challenging but a lot of a lot of interesting stuff that we come across especially you know with that crossover to electric vehicles and how they influence the grid and and some challenges that 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 can potentially cause yeah Mm. yeah so has there been any recent designs that you've had to start doing that literally have related to electric vehicles because of electric vehicles. We got we, a little bit around the periphery, nothing so much directly. Um, we we did a, we got involved in some discussions around I think Castle Hill substation um, on on the way over to the west coast. Um, there was some talk around I think ChargeNet were looking at the charger that's now in there, and it was going to be a bit of a challenge for the for the load on the substation because it's quite a small zone substation, but. Nothing really directly. Um, it's you know our main focus is more on the the bigger stuff, the the high high voltage and medium voltage stuff. Whereas the the charges at the moment, the way that they're with probably with the exception of the Tesla supercharging stations, they they don't generally involve big scale electrical design, which is what we get involved in. So yeah. But so what sort of what do you see coming in the next sort of five or so years I mean we're getting you know high capacity charges coming in and various things like that and you know some companies even local lines or distribution companies wanting to put you know banks of these charges and high voltage um, you know high capacity charges you sort of what do you sort of perceive is going to happen as far as design and things go in the next sort of five or six years it's going to be really interesting um, yeah, and you've got other things you know Companies talking about you know, hydrogen electrolysis and things like that. So big, big loads coming on the network. Um, Transpower, to their credit, has done a, a really good job in foreshadowing this and, and preparing the industry for what they think is the 
the electrification change to come. Uh, and you know, they're transparent in their uh, Te Māori Heko report have predicted uh, sort of roughly a doubling in New Zealand's electrical demand over the next 30 years, which is huge. You know, the, to, the, the impact that that's going to have on the, the network as it currently stands. Um, the, the too long don't read kind of summary is we need to build a lot more generation <laughs> um, and that's most likely going to be you know, wind and solar and that's going to be the predominant there's going to be a little bit of hydro, a little bit of geothermal probably in there as well but um, that they are the, the most cost effective forms of generation at the moment but we need to build a lot of it um, and that's what's keeping a lot of my team um, busy at the moment is, is working on these, these connections um, but yeah, you know, simple things like what happens when we put a, a new charging station in, in the network. Mo- most of the local distribution businesses like Orion and Christchurch will have the first kind of view of, of what that's going to mean for the network. And then they, if it's going to be uh, a big impact and they're going to need a little bit of design, then they would, they would potentially come to um, the likes of us to, to get that design done. So, um, so transfer predicting a doubling, I mean... There was word many years ago that if every electric vehicle, well, at least every vehicle in New Zealand was to go electric, I think the increase was going to be 12% or something, the equivalent of TY Point. So electric vehicles really only form a very small part of what Transpower see as the future demand, don't For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a really good point. Uh, like, like a lot of these things, devil's in the detail, right, when it comes to the actual amount of increased load. Uh, the, the beauty of electric vehicles is that they're very efficient, as you know. So, um, to travel the same amount of kilometres in an EV compared to a petrol car, you're using actually a lot less energy. So, when you convert them all to to, pet- to electric, or the petrol cars to electric, you're, you're actually saving the country in terms of energy imports and so forth. So, but yeah, depending on what you read, what you talk around, twelve to twelve to twenty percent. Um, we also, I also like to when we, t- when we have these discussions, I like to clarify between energy and peak demand because I think this is a really important discussion that's often lost in the in the media discussions because sure the energy that we might need um, to, to fuel all these EVs fuel um, might only be 12% but if they all plug in at the same time when everyone gets home from work and, and connect up then that might create a very high instantaneous peak you know, our Teslas for example can take 10 kilowatts from a home charger if you've got a three phase connection um, if everybody in the street plugs in with, with 10 kilowatts that's that's a huge impact on the local network so my 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 team and Orion and all, all the good network companies around the country are trying to solve two problems really it's the, the peak demand making what happens if everybody charges at the same time or, and trying to come up with smart ways to make sure that they don't all try and charge at the same time, um, and then also provide the extra energy, which um, is where we need to build the extra generation plant to supply that. So I guess that yeah. wouldn't be terribly much helped by power companies saying free power between you know, nine and twelve, for example, would it? <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. So I, when I, when people ask me about what how you should charge your EV, I always tell them, well, make sure you use the if you've got it, make sure you use the scheduled charging feature so that it comes on. You know, just before you need to go early in the morning, generally, so it charges from say three in the morning till to seven in the morning. That's what my Tesla does, mm. and that's the that's the li- li- minimal impact you can have on the electrical network is if you make sure it charges overnight. Um, not probably that nine to twelve period is not such a concern. It's more that five o'clock to 
nine o'clock at night period is where that's where that blackout happened uh, last year in, in Hamilton um, when we had that peak demand. That's when everyone comes home, puts the heater on, puts the oven on, now plugs in their EV, starts charging. Um, the other consideration, I suppose, um, is that instantaneous turning on of a huge amount of power at exactly nine o'clock right across the country. Um, not just not just peak in time, but also peak at a moment's instant. And I suppose if you can sort of separate the, the start by as much as 60 seconds across the country, it just stops that, um, you know, that massive, very, very instantaneous little peak that occurs. So I think that's, that's a third feature, isn't a- it? A- absolutely, yeah, yeah. And um, there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of work has gone in by the um, electrical companies to try and figure out you know what? What can we do to to try and stop to, to mitigate this problem? You know, ahead of time because everybody everybody sees this wave of electrification coming, and I think most people are sort of accepting that this is the future now, and it's just a matter of how do we do this in a smart way. So you, you'll see a lot more of the the retailers. I think Octopus is one that's just joined that that are starting to offer. Potential. I don't think they quite have quite enabled it in New Zealand yet, but they're enabling sort of smart charging features as part of their their retail offering. They're basically doing the work for you. They, they, you connect with them. They give you a better rate, and then they take the ability to control your electric vehicle through the um, the existing infrastructure that exists. And not all cars are capable of doing that. And sometimes you might have to get some special kit put in at home and things like that. But um, things are moving forward. It's it's sort of a bit of an open question about whether these things will come on in time or whether every, everybody's going to be ready um, for this for this wave that that's happening. And there are, I guess, a number of I know in Christchurch, you know, at least one company that's providing smart charges with the hope, I guess, that you know, um, distribution companies is that right? Yep. <laughs> are going yep. to are going to sort of get into that and allow that sort of control to happen. It's that's right. I mean, we already have precedent for this type of thing in, in the network. So there's a lot of um, hot water cylinders throughout the country are controlled with ripple control. It's it's a very similar kind of concept. You just you, when, when the network's under under load or under strain, you you turn the hot water cylinders off, and that alleviates a huge burden. So, something uh, similar is going to happen with electric vehicles, where they're, they they're a controllable load. They're not mission critical. It's not mission critical that you have it plugged in and operating exactly at six o'clock. You just want to make sure you've got enough charge before you take off in the morning, right? Yeah. So, um, that it's a no-brainer really to have those smarts built into the network to avoid us having to build new power lines which nobody likes <laughs> just to supply a, a small peak that occurs for five minutes right so yeah. and I think uh, uh, Nick O'Mara and Wellington sort of suggested that uh, you know rather than set a start time for EV charging you know, like you do set the finish time yep. and just say um, you know and I think in a tester I think you can basically say hey here's my off peak time finishing at whatever time you want to finish um, and it takes care of the rest. It just makes sure that the charging sort of finishes by then. Exactly. So yes. even though I get my three free hours of power, I generally say, hey, finish at quarter past midnight, yep. um, and that way you don't get that pressure starting at 9 o'clock, um, but, you know, it's going to be a big burst of electricity free at 12 when, <laughs> when everyone finishes, or sort of around about 12. Yeah, Tesla's done a really good job of making that very simple through, yep. through the app and so forth, and, and yeah, that's what it needs to be for, for most people, because most people aren't like me thinking about the impacts of their electric vehicle on the, the grid <laughs> and that they just want to be able to plug it in and get the charge when they need so a lot of this has to be sort of automated behind the scenes yeah. are you looking sort of moving to some sort of battery at home as well just you know with your knowledge of 
Um, yeah, I um, it's a really good question actually. I I've just I had solar panels, <coughs> excuse me, I had solar panels put on the roof in December last year, which um, I'd been umming and ahhing about for a while, and the uh, my conservative economic kind of view was was sort of like, oh, they don't quite stack up. The payback's going to be quite a long time, and um, but but it, you know that was gradually improving over the time I've been back in New Zealand, and uh, eventually pulled the pin, and, and I'm glad I did. It's been it's been really good so far, uh, and at the time I got a quote for a battery as well. And I, I sort of doubled the price of install price mm-hmm. of the system, and I was like, oh, that, that you know, all all just to shift a little bit of load around, and I was like, it's, it doesn't really stack up for me as it, as it currently stands. Mm-hmm. So, not not right now, but I've I've got the hybrid inverter, which is ready for a battery when I if I do change my mind in a few years' time, which maybe let's hope the the battery prices continue to to come down. I know there's been a bit of a leveling off at the moment with. COVID and supply chains and so forth, but hopefully that that downward trajectory resumes again, and I can think about it uh, in in the future. Right. So you've told us a lovely story that led up to you know the purchase of the Tesla. Um, you're a single car family of a young child, I guess at least one child. Two, two, two children, children. Yeah, so, seven, seven yeah. and five now. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you do the school drop-offs? What's the, yeah, what do, the story there? One do, car? Do, do a couple of school drop-offs a week. So my wife and I have a bit of a roster with the with the vehicle. So I generally, we've got an e-bike as well. So I, I, I take the e-bike into work a couple of times a week and, and she takes it the rest of the days. And, and then the weekends is sort of, you know, a bit of a free-for-all. So, yeah, and it, and it works pretty well. Christchurch yeah. is a good city for bikes, isn't it? You know, I recall that and you've got some fantastic cycleways. I mean, if any, if any city wants to come and have a look, at how cycleways work when they're really well designed, Christchurch is the place to see it, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's um it's amazing. Yeah, really good cycle network. It's been a huge um, benefit benefit of the post earthquake rebuild is getting some of these cycle lanes in, and it's been fantastic. To, and and it's a real good example, I think, of build it and they will come. You know, uh, people are sort of like, oh, cycle lanes are taking up you know vehicle space on the roads and parking space, and who's going to really use them? But if you if you're when I'm driving into work sometimes and parked on a stop uh, traffic light waiting to go and beside the cycle lane the bikes are queued up you know at the, at the, at the traffic lights so it's, it's just fantastic to see you know that the people do use these things and they have a safe way to get in and they're yeah. pretty well respected as well in Christchurch you know I think people respect the fact that there are people prepared to bike around yeah. the place yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so. Tell us about some of the trips that you've done, you know, since you've had a Tesla. I guess um, did you have something before the Tesla? Well, we had a, had a yeah, we had a Leaf actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I uh, dabbled my feet into the electric vehicle world with a with an Innocent Leaf, which was a <clears throat> well, much lower financial commitment than a than a Tesla, of course. And uh, I, I, we love the Leaf. It was a, it's a great it's also a great little um, family family vehicle uh, with the, with the caveat that the you know the range isn't quite there. I think for you know, for longer excursions, and we we, we found out the hard way <laughs> a couple of times. So, uh, one one occasion, we we planned to go out uh, Oxford Way to to a camping ground, sort of a camping picnic area, and do a little bushwalk with the kids and so forth. And it was about from from return from my house, or, or back, uh, it was probably I think it was in hundredish k's, part of it motorway. Um, we had a 2013 Leaf, so it was a Gen 1.5 or whatever with the 24 kilowatt hour battery. So 100 kilowatts is sort of your 100, 100 kilometers is your rough range on on one of those. And I thought, oh, it's going to be it's 
going to be touch and go. There's a bit of gravel roads and uh, on the way out there, traveling at 90 on the motorway to try and pres- preserve the battery and watching the watching the percentage kind of tick down and thinking, oh, it's going to be touch and go. We got on the gravel road and I was like, oh, how far to get there? It was 5Ks and then ticked down to four and I was sort of like, oh, I need to be safe. I probably need 40% battery when we get there so that I've got enough to get back to at least one of the close charge net charges. And, <laughs> and I, I got to 41%. We're still 3Ks away from the destination. I was like... If, if I press on now, we're going to end up uh, stuck somewhere <laughs> without without a, with a low battery and nowhere to go. Um, so we, we, you know, we got we got all the way nearly to our destination. Said sorry, kids. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Asia, my wife. Uh, we've got to turn around because we're not going to have enough battery to get back. And as it turned out, it was lucky I did because I we were coming back through Christchurch, and this was what is this 2017, 2018. So there wasn't the charging infrastructure wasn't nearly as good as it is now. So the fewer and far between them, I think it was the Northlands charger um, that that was available was the nearest one. And um, yeah, the little turtle on the on the leaf came on. We we're about 500 meters away, so um, j- just made it back there to get enough charge to get home. So um, well, at least you know your limits. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and it was a it was a story now that I'll, I won't forget about you know range anxiety and and you know that type of thing and, and it's real. But so so getting the the Model Three with the 300 plus kind of kilometers of range was a was a game changer really. Um, you know, for all of a sudden you you realise that you, you can do big trips, and I don't. You know, you, you do a little bit of planning when you take a long trip, as you probably know, but you, you don't, especially with the charge charging network built out fantastically by ChargeNet, as it has been, you don't have to think about it that much. You're never, you're never that far away, and you've got enough range. You just have to be a little more patient than if you were driving a... You can't just go into the petrol station and, and fill up in, in five minutes when you run out of charge. you just got to be prepared to... To, to arrive at a charging station and somebody could be there, although that hasn't I haven't had that problem too much, there's been a lot of congestion but if they are, you wait you know, 10 or 15 for them and then you plug in and you wait your half an hour to get your charge 40 minutes and you have some lunch and, and a snack and if you've got like young kids like me, um, stopping every 2 or 3 hours to, to charge is sort of the mandatory anyway because the kids are you know tearing in here off each other at the back trying to wanting to get out and run around and things like that so um we we haven't found it to be to be a problem at all. The the charging with the with the larger car with the with the, with the three. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think the only the only one I've ever had to wait for since getting a Tesla is, I think Murchison. I was second oh, yeah. in line there once and yeah. uh, and just uh, arranged with the um, explained to the who was in front of me. It might have been another Tesla in front of me. Just said, hey, look, you know. You might just plug into that charter mode adapter when you've done and I'll activate it remotely. Yeah. So no, it's, yeah. it's it's good. And the other thing I like is potentially now I suppose when you pass a charger that's in use, um, often you can just go on thirty k's and to the next yeah, one. A- absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's yeah. a huge. And I've, the amount of times actually now because it's charging is great because it's got the you know if you've got the app you've got mm-hmm. the live status updates of all the charges right. So you, you you sort of when you're getting close you think oh, I might charge. Oh, this has happened to me a few times in Kaikoura actually. Um, getting close and you think oh right I'll, I'll have a charge and there's the new world and there's the town one and you're mm-hmm. like okay oh, the new, new world's been taken so I'll just pop into the town one or you know if you've got a, even got enough charge then you carry on to the to the next one mm-hmm. so um, yeah all, all the tech has been been great to, to try and maintain that 
I'd love a few more superchargers in the South Island. There's probably all the all the owners <laughs> would, but um, you know, ChargeNet's done a great job of um, at least make, making these things possible. Well, I know yeah. locally we've got a, a new 150 kilowatt charger at um, Arari, and what I like about that is it's actually cheaper to use than the Timaru supercharger. So. Um, I used know. it for the first time the other day, actually coming back from uh, Tikapo, so it was uh, it was great. Yeah, it's good value, right next to a cafe. And yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's a great great it's spot. They've done a good job there. I think yeah. it's absolutely brilliantly well done. Yeah. and uh, a couple more coming, I think, from what I hear from Alpine. Yeah. All right. So, what would since you've got the big one, um, the big uh, three hundred kilometer plus range? What where, would be your favourite trip that you've done? Um, probably the trip we took up to not long after we got the car actually we uh, we planned a sailing trip in the Bay of Islands so hired a chartered a, a yacht up there for um, sailing's probably my my other passion outside of outside of my my work and, um, and oh, family so we'll chat about that later too <laughs> <laughs> and so we we I did a beer boat charter in the Bay of Islands for a week and uh, thought Oh, we're getting this new electric vehicle. Let's let's really test it out, and can we can we do a road trip up to to all the way to Apua from Christchurch, and uh, and we did. So yeah, December sort of Christmas time, twenty nineteen. So this is pre pandemic. Uh, packed packed the kids and and everyone into the car, and, and off we went. Um, stopped at I think Kaikoura on the way up, and um, then various charges throughout the North Island on the on the way up there, and. Tried the supercharger in Palmerston North. That was the first my first experience using a supercharger, uh, and then yeah, stopped at a couple of places overnight. I think we stayed at Picton on the way up, and my wife's mother lives in Taihapi, so we stopped there on, as well, and um, also her father in Auckland. So we you know, sort of broke the trip up a bit and had, had a really good time, but uh, it was never a problem um, with the range or, or getting there. It was it was great, and um, no, no real. Uh, it just it was just easy yeah we just found charges when we needed them and charged up and, and on we went so and the wee ones like the car they love it yeah yeah are they into <laughs> um, the games they're into the games yeah yeah uh, Henry actually my, my son he um, occasionally uh, at home when I when I come home I'll where's Henry I can't can't find Henry and oh, I know where he is he's, he's in the car playing the games he's <laughs> <laughs> we try, like all parents, we probably battle with the screen time and trying to keep them away from screens. But he knows that the Tesla, he just has to go in there because we live unlocked at home, and he yeah. can he can uh, jump in there and, and play the games on the screen there, and he he loves it. So and no complaints because yeah, <laughs> Tesla's a good company, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a marvelous trip. Actually, I sort of have enjoyed the North Island ones myself, being being from the South Island, and yeah. uh, you know, I know the. At least the Cook Strait ferries aren't afraid of cars catching fire or anything like that. No, so, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the network in the North Island is a bit more, you know, my experience and probably yours as well is just a bit more built up than the, and it makes sense. There's more population there, so they need more charging infrastructure. So, yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. What about issues? Any problems? Um, have you had uh, had numerous visits to the service centre or? Uh, that I sort think. Of thing? I mean, it's been it's been trouble free motoring, right? Uh, I've. I've been to what have I? I've had place the wheat, the tyres. So I've just done that um, at thirty-seven thousand k's. I had to put a full new set on. Uh, they were probably they were probably still had a little bit of life left in them, but I was you know it's coming into winter, and I thought I'll I'll get a new set of tyres. And um, so that was that. Um, did the cabin air filters myself? Uh, wiper blades. Um, <laughs> there's been one service centre just a recall, which was I think for the boot lid um, strut or something like that was potentially rubbing on that, but. And that was coming. I took that in, and they did that in, in a couple of hours, and gave the car a vacuum as well at the same time. So, 
um, that I have had no uh, mechanical issues or anything like that um, the the whole time. Um, it's been yeah, it's been just great. So yeah. you worried about the why and sort of slightly newer than a three and uh, you know, maybe some problems yet to be ironed out? Yeah, although I guess um, the, my, my three is a Fremont built um, for three, so, and probably how long had Tesla been building threes when it got that? Only, only a couple of years. So I think Tesla's been probably building the Y almost as long or maybe even longer than what they've been building the three when I got my three. And of course, this, this one will be Shanghai built as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, and from what I hear and understand and what I've observed as well, the, the quality coming out of the Shanghai factory is, is very high. Um, so I, I, I don't have any concerns and I, I guess my, my expectations are probably higher than what they were from to get the Fremont car. So, so have you got your date yet? Uh, well, I've got a window. Yes. Not, not, I haven't booked a date yet, so the window is from the... 15th of August to the 29th of August I think is the, is the window they've given me at the moment so fingers crossed it'll be closer to the 15th um, part of that, that cycle but yeah it's, it's exciting That's good, we must uh, catch up again um, later because I think this episode is probably due to come out in the middle of September so oh, yeah. you'll yep. have it by the time this is live Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, cool yeah, Good yeah. one and, um, what about any mishaps? Anything oh, crazy? Yeah, <laughs> so when I say I haven't had problems, uh, I've had some self-inflicted problems. <laughs> um, so that the the probably the most interesting story for for this podcast and, and funniest uh, kind of oh no moment that, that happened was this was uh, 2020. So it was sort of around the time we were coming out of the first lockdown, first nationwide lockdown in, in May, my birthday. So it's the morning of my birthday. And uh, I'm sitting working from home, as, as most people were at that time, or most professional people. And I, my wife and, and son uh, decide to, I think they might have been going grocery shopping or something, and they get in the car ready and whatnot. And um, I all of a sudden hear this kind of scream emanating from the, from the back of my house near my garage. And I'm like, what's going on? Has, has Henry been squashed or something like that <laughs> and, I, and, I, and she, my wife was continuing to sort of scream and say stop it stop it and all kind of so I went out to see what was happening and uh, <laughs> we, we used to park out the, the three fronts into our garage and we have a, a automatic garage door as a lot of people do and the, the boot lid when you put the boot lid, lid up would sort of rest on the on the, the garage door oh, no. Uh, and, um, so what had happened was the the garage door was was down, and my my son had gone into the car to uh, open the boot and put something in the boot, but of course the the boot lid goes up, and he can't reach it to bring it down, and so <laughs> the boot lid was sitting there up, uh, and my wife had just. Got, got ready, she's got right, we're going out and pressed the automatic garage door opener, not thinking that, of course, the boot lid was sitting there up and Why the garage you? door had, the back side of the garage door had, on the, on the, when it was coming up, had caught the, the boot lid and sort of forced it back on itself. And I, I didn't realise this, but my particular garage door, most of them have a sensor to sort of stop when they feel pressure, but that's on the down, oh. when they're closing, not when they're opening. Um, so my particular one has no sensor when it's opening, so it just literally grabbed the boot lid and folded it right back on, on, on top of the uh, glass of the car and bent, you know, completely bent it out of shape at the point where it connects to the, to the main chassis of the car. So 
Um, <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't. It wasn't the best birthday present ever. Um, to be, <laughs> to put a finer point on it, it was. It was quite, um, quite uh, frustrating. But um, you know, first world problems. But uh, the the repair process was amazing. So did you use a Tesla authorised repairer for that? I did, yes. Gary... Yeah, um, Gary A. Smith, I think. Yeah, Gary A. Smith, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. so um, quick, straight on the phone to the insurance company and and they said, oh, it's a pandemic. Um, You might have a bit of weight on your hands. And Mm. they're like, call call Gary A. Smith and, you know, tell us, find out. And the guys, they were really good. And they were like, yeah, look, there's a bit of a delay on parts because of shipping and logistics and so forth. And they think, we think probably three weeks. And I was like, oh, Three weeks, is that all? Uh, I was expecting three months. So, um, yeah, took it in. Uh, well, they actually, they said, we'll give you a call when we're ready for you. Um, and they gave me a call a week later and or something like that. And, um, yeah, and then I took the car in uh, a week after that and they had it a day and replaced the boot lid and it looks like brand new. So yeah. it was um, it was seamless. And I, so all my fears of, oh, my car's wrecked kind of thing was, yeah, was no dramas at all. Nice. I had yeah. a very similar experience with them you know, in hail damage. We had a big oh, okay. hailstorm. Yep. Uh, I think it was the day after you had a tornado in Christchurch, oh, incidentally. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, people were waiting, you know, six or seven months to get their cars fixed. And I just happened to give Gary A. Smith, because that's who Tesla said to ring. And he said, oh, yep, no, um, we'll have that, you know, all ready for you in a couple of weeks' time. And, yeah. well, really? Yeah. Uh, Sort of today because for me it was um it was up there and then the pandemic hit <laughs> and then it took me a long time to actually come and get it but meanwhile they'd given me a loan car so that's yeah, okay so yeah they're they're absolutely brilliant they are yeah really professional and um, do a great job yeah well I'm here for another three days um, I'm in Christchurch is which is where this interview is taking place so um, Brad what should I be doing when I've uh, not got my daughters along doing ballet? <laughs> well, if you've got a little bit of time on your hands um, and you, you like a, a nice drive, which is not too long, um, Akaroa is a lovely little township um, in Banks Peninsula. It's about probably about an hour's drive from, from the central city to, to get there, sort of over around the base of the hills and then over the hill. Um, down there, it's a, it's a great drive for an electric vehicle. You, you get to see the full... Uh, skills of the car on display I, I think from you know open road type driving to good region down the hills and all that so, and there's charge Orion's got some uh, charging over there if you need it and then Little River on the way has got a, a charging charger as well so you, you don't get stuck if, you, if you're worried about range as well but you know, Tesla can, can easily get there and back and without without charging no trouble so that's wee French village in the middle of an old volcano isn't it it yeah. is yeah it's yeah. wee French village it's got a bit of French here there's nice bakeries and, and little a lot of fishing sort of things that happen there and, and the crafts and they've got a market and a bit of, bit of sailing and whatnot as well. So yeah, it's a very picturesque little little town. Awesome. Wonderful. And uh, if you've got slightly less time, what would you what would you recommend locally? Well, for people, with, locally. People, people with kids, um, uh, my kids love Margaret Mahi Playground in, in the city. That's uh, it's a real favourite um, to, to go there. It's, uh, for those who don't know Christchurch, it was built post-earthquake and uh, with some new fancy designs and they've got you know the flying foxes and the big wide slides and all kind and water play and all, all kinds of stuff and it's, it's a big kind of open area and your yeah, kids just love it there it's always packed with with people and the kids in the weekend and you know you see ice cream trucks and donut trucks and drinks and all that around so it's um yeah that's that's good fun probably at this time of year a bit chilly but um still <laughs> yeah 
awesome, Brad. Hey, look, wonderful to talk to you, and um, thanks for thanks for the time this morning. No worries. Thanks, Martin. It's been great to chat. Thank you, Brad, for catching up with me today and for volunteering yourself for an interview. We need happy volunteers to tell us a little bit about their story and add to the episodes available on this podcast. If you would like to volunteer, contact Martin at allthatstesla.nz or Alex at allthatstesla.nz and we'll tee up an interview with you. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our Patreon community by providing as little as a couple of dollars a month, long black, the Patreon community helps maintain this podcast and keep it advertising free. It also helps cover the cost of hosting the podcast and storing the audio online. Quite expensive, so thank you very much to that community. And members of that community get access to these episodes the moment they are edited. And sometimes that could be a few months before they're available to public release. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and remember to share a friendly wave with others you see out there leading the charge in this Kiwi revolution.